Welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian Podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Gishay, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. All right, y'all, today's guest is Laura Jones. Laura is an inspirational speaker sharing her incredible story of tragedy and redemption across the country since 2006. Today's chat is a hard hitter. Anytime we're talking trauma, it usually is, but man, y'all, Laura is such a light and learning from her about healing and how tragedy affects your relationships and your relationship with God. It's really an incredible conversation that I can't wait for you to hear. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, it's an honor to be here and a joy to meet you. Yes. Okay. So we're going to just jump right in. Um, in 2004, you lost your family in a, in a tragic accident. Um, and you have kind of turned around and used that experience to share your story and share your heart. And you wrote a book, Song of a Wounded Heart. Um, and so that's kind of what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about walking through tragedy as a believer and um, kind of how that affects everything. So I think to get us started, can you just kind of share with us your story and why you ended up feeling compelled to share it in your book? Absolutely. My family and I were in the ministry. My husband had been a, a pastor for about 20 years. We'd lived in three states and we had two beautiful children in 2004. Janessa was 14, an eighth grader in middle school, loved to sing and loved people. She was the extrovert of our family that we never really knew where she came from. Just kidding. <laughs> but all the rest of us are introverts. Uh-huh. So then uh, Jaden was 11, our son in the sixth grade in middle school also, and he he loved to sing too. He had lots of friends, but he loved to play by himself and was still, you know, like a little boy at 11, mm-hmm. but thinking he was big stuff because he's mm-hmm. in middle school now. And so life was really good. In fact, the best that it had ever been for us. And we just did our traditional trip home for Thanksgiving. We were going to visit both Jay's family and my family and who live in the same town. And that was about a 400-mile drive. So we just picked up the kids from school, and we were off on an adventure, and life was good. But along that trip, about halfway home, we stopped to have dinner with some family, and then we got back on the road pretty late, about 9.30, but we still had or about nine, but we still had a three, three and a half hour drive after that. And um, just maybe half an hour later down the road, we encountered or a pickup coming from the other way encountered black ice that neither driver was expecting. And he, he hit it, he slid across the center line and hit us near head on in front of the driver. And 
everything about my life changed that night. Uh, my husband and my son died on impact and my daughter lived a few more hours, but I was released the next morning, next you know, early afternoon from the hospital. Um, the sole survivor in my vehicle, in my family. Wow. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's a story of when life stops and nothing about your life is the same. Mm. My identity as a wife and as a mom and as a pastor's wife, those all three roles I loved and they were gone. They were all gone in a moment and I had no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I feel like I feel so ill-equipped to have this conversation. I'm going to be totally honest because I'm just sitting here. I mean, anybody I'm sure that you have this conversation with, you immediately are overcome with like compassion and empathy. And then your mind immediately goes to like you losing everything, you know, I just can't even not even being able to wrap your mind around that happening. And it's so incredible that you're sitting here in a podcast interview, that you wrote a book about it, that you're, you know, you're sharing your story and your experience. And so tell us about the the song of a wounded heart, why that's titled the way that it is and, and how you share your story there. Well, the song of a wounded heart is hope. Mm. And that is what will make your heart beat again, what will make it work again. And hope, of course, is a person. Mm. It, it is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the fact that there is life after this one. If I had not chosen to believe or to con- chosen to continue to believe that there is a God that loves me and there is life after this one, I wouldn't still be sitting here. Mm-hmm. There would have been no reason to live at all. Mm-mm. And it was a struggle, even when I chose to believe that, to want to live, to be willing to receive this gift that God had given me in the form of earthly life. Mm-hmm. Boy, I didn't want it. I didn't yeah. want to stay. Oh, it was <sighs> so hard. It, well, and I it, love that you like are honest. That like, okay, I know the truth and I know that I have hope and that hope is a person, but it still sucked and I still didn't want to be here and I still struggled through even though. And I think that's so life-giving to people who are also walking through trauma because I feel like a lot of the time the message is God is good or even like worse, God has a plan and he is in control (laughs) and people are like can you shut up like can you just (laughs) not please you know what I mean like like no stop it like and and the people who say that have all of the best intentions in the world oh they do and there is truth to it and there is but no without a doubt God chose for me to live because once Mm -hmm. I saw the van I my question went away from why did they die to why am I alive? Yeah. And yeah. And just that solid recognition that God kept me alive on purpose. Well now just what'd you do that for? And right. and people ca- it did. They kept saying, God has a plan for you. He must have thought you were strong enough to handle it. <laughs> 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 he must have oh. <laughs> 
much for you to do. And um, there's truth there that God right. does have a plan and he doesn't let Satan take over. Um, he won't, he will not waste anything if we let him use it for his glory. Absolutely. He will use it for his glory. But you are right. None of those things were any sort of comfort to me. In fact, I kind of twisted them. Mm. No, I didn't kind of twist them. I did mm. twist them because it was like, okay, if he's got something that I'm supposed to do, then let's find it and get it done so I can die. Oh, yeah. I mean, if that's what we're going on here. Cool. Like, let's do it. Let's I want to get, get out of here. job done. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So you could basically, you chose to go like the very positive route because you totally could have written a book about like what not to say. When you... <laughs> <laughs> How to not help when someone loses everything. <laughs> and we talk about that a lot on this show. We've had women on who have struggled with infertility and with loss and divorce and abuse. And that part of the conversation always comes up of like, things that believers said to them that did more harm than help, you know, well, where in, in all fairness, what in the world could anybody say? Right. Well, and sometimes and, nothing and <laughs> sometimes... just did the best they could. And mm -hmm. I would, and I would rather that they tried than yeah, to not absolutely. try. Absolutely. And they did try people all around me so much to take care of me so mm -hmm. much to take care of me. I would not have survived without the people that kept trying. Absolutely. And what I think is so important for those of us on the receiving end of it all is to speak that hurt or mm. no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not <laughs> <And> helpful. <laughs> I had to figure out how to respond because lots of people said, you are so strong. And that's what they saw. And I knew I was not strong mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out what to do with that because they were in amazement that I was just standing up and was dressed. I mean, right, right. they were just in amazement of that. And I knew, I mean, that's all I could do. It took me all day to accomplish that. That didn't seem very strong to me. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. <laughs> but it looked strong to them. And finally, my mom helped me with that. She said, Laura, they see God's strength in you. And once it's like, oh yeah, yeah, there's, okay. Then mm -hmm. I could respond back of, no, I'm not strong, but my God yeah, is. is. And yeah. then, then I could reconcile with it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Since then, I have this image in my head that helps me with this. And I say this often where I, anywhere I speak, if I was sitting in front of you and I can see you, but I know our listeners can't see me. So, you know, I'm using my hands. That doesn't help you. But if I had a glass in front of you, a glass jar in holding it, and it was absolutely full of the biggest diamonds you have ever seen. And you looked at it, you would go, Oh, look at those diamonds. You would not say, Oh, look at that jar. Mm. See, I'm just the jar. Oh, it's just jar. It's yeah. the character of God that 
that shows when you're when you are in a traumatic experience and you choose to le- lean on God, his character will show up and it will not be you. Mm-hmm. It will be him. And you'll know that, but it will be difficult to describe that to, <laughs> to like people. explain that to people, right? Well, and so learning about you b- com- leading up to this interview knowing that you have been a woman of faith your entire life and this kind of trauma, that kind of tragedy essentially affects everything like you're talking about. I mean, it, it was a, it was a, it was an all day victory that you got up and you got dressed and you were like standing up and it, it affects everything, including your relationship with God. Right. And, and you see a lot of people who experience trauma, they go one way or they go another way, or, you know, it, it's this pull back and forth, kind of like we were talking about for why, why am I still here? Why are they not here? What are, what the heck are you doing? You know, um, how like specifically did that experience affect your relationship with God? There were two sides of me, um, from the very beginning, there was, there was this part that could hear God better than I had ever heard him before and then periods of times when it was completely silent and I couldn't hear a thing and I would just kind of vacillate back and forth between those things when when God spoke and I clung to those things with everything I had and that's a lot of what the book talks about is those Mm -hmm. those stories that happen and the songs that's another reason why it's called Song of a Wounded Heart. The songs that God used to get my attention, because I could listen better to mm-hmm. his voice through music than I could anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And then I stayed reading the Bible, and that mattered as well. Mm-hmm. God God tricked me into that. I'm forever grateful that he did. <laughs> but my husband had just written a walk through the Bible specifically designed for our church so that we could all read it together. And it was very complex, and I wondered why in the world he was putting so much time into it and why he was redesigning it, because you can get them. Mm -hmm. They're available several different places. right. But he spent days, hours on end designing these four tracks, making it possible for people to start to read the Bible regardless of how much experience they had or how much time they had. And you could choose your track. And so he... He started that in September, and I thought, again, how bizarre. You always start new things in January. What are you doing? Right. But he didn't live to January. Mm. And because he had started it for us, all of us, we're like, we have to do what Pastor Jay said. And see, I could do it for Jay. And God knew that. Mm, that's amazing. That. And so that kept me doing that for Jay, kept me in the Bible, and it, and then through the Scripture there would be verses that jumped off the page and God would help me make decisions that way. Mm. So the two things together is the whole key, continuing to talk to your God and continuing to read his word. If you keep doing it, even even when you can't hear him, even when you can't feel, even when you can't think, um, in time, it'll all come back together. That's what I tried to chronicle in the book. I'm a storyteller, and I learn best with story, mm-hmm. and I know I'm not alone in that. 
No, yeah. God wanted me to, to do this. I didn't <laughs> want to do it. But I wanted to go back and and like tell the whole journey as best I could so that it would be like breadcrumbs. Mm. That other people could take their story to it and follow the breadcrumbs through and find their hope and find healing too. Did you know you didn't want to write the book? No, I didn't want to write the book. I knew what it would cost. All right, y'all. Big announcement. The podcast is now sponsored by Lifeway. Yeah, like the Lifeway. Specifically, their CSB study Bible, which, perfectly enough, is the Bible that I use. So, the CSB Study Bible exists to inspire you to grow in your understanding and love of God's Word. It also contains an award-winning array of study resources, including over 16,000 study notes, tools, and word studies. So, if you ever want to understand the Greek, this is the Bible for you. It is now available in eight different cover options, including two new covers. So, whether you are learning to prepare for future Bible studies or it's your daily readings, this Bible is the ideal resource for lifelong discipleship, and I personally can attest to that. You can learn more at csbbible.com, visit lifeway.com to order your copy, or visit the link in the show description. So I know you have this opportunity to travel and speak and share your story, and you're doing interviews, and I'm sure you get the opportunity to speak with people who have walked through similarly impossible situations, right? We, we, you know, you try not to, like, put a gauge on trauma, but people who have walked through situations where outsiders are looking in going, like, I don't know how she's standing up. I don't know how, you know, I don't know how she's continuing. In those times, like, if you were right now having the opportunity to, like, sit down and kind of pour your heart out to those people, what are the things that you, that it's important to you to communicate to people? I want them to believe that God is still good and that he still cares. One of the stories in the Bible is Jesus walking up into a funeral where a widow is following the casket. They didn't have caskets, but we'll use today's terms, following the casket of her only son. And Jesus walks up to her and and, he, and it says his heart went out to her. And I, I I want people to know that God's heart goes out to you too. He he knows your pain and he wants to hold you and take care of you. But it's a choice to believe. It really is. It's it's okay to get angry with them. It's okay to express that anger at him. He he gets it. He gets all that emotion that's within us. And so I, I want people to keep talking to God mm-hmm. and I understand that pain is part of it. And if our nature is to stop the pain, to mm-hmm. deaden the pain and, and not only our nature to do that for ourselves, but our nature to do that for other people, we want, we want them to feel better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's out of our compassion and our love, but they have to be able to 
keep expressing the pain because if you try to deaden that side of your emotions, you will also, without meaning to, deaden any positive emotions in you and you'll just be left feeling like bleh. Mm -hmm. Just left feeling dead right. is what it is. And one of the questions that I asked God was, if you want me to talk to people, you're going to have to tell me what healing of the heart looks like because every place I've gone, I've talked to people who've lost children and they say the pain never stops. So if the pain never stops, what does it mean to be healed? Mm -hmm. And finally, bit by bit, I came to understand that healing of a heart is not the absence of pain. It's allowing joy to enter a heart that has pain. Mm -hmm. It's allowing yourself to to be able to experience good and bad emotions at the same time or negative and positive emotions at the same time. Wow. Healing isn't the absence of pain. It's allowing joy to enter a hurting heart. Yes. And, and I feel like that's what we're all looking for, right? So we're, mm. we're all, I feel like for the most part, people are healing from something. You know, mm -hmm. isn't, isn't healing isn't linear. Healing is is kind of always in process. And what you said about we want to just end it, like we want the pain to just be mm -hmm. over. And mm -hmm. whatever whatever route we take, whether it's drinking or it's pretending like everything is fine or it's shoveling it all down, like yeah. we're we're doing whatever we can to make it stop because that's what we think healing is. Mm -hmm. Once I don't feel this pain anymore, then I'm healed. Yeah. And that definition is like killing all of us because it, nobody it is. is healing. Yes, it's pushing us down into depression or or explosive anger. Because at some point, you can push down for a long time. But if you shake a pop bottle, mm -hmm. oh, which is what trauma does, and you never, when you do take the lid off, it goes, right. You know, right. and that's what we do, and we do it at the wrong places, at the wrong people, and and then we feel bad, and it, it all adds on top. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, it just is a cycle of of a just super unhealthy cycle. And so I think if people can hold on to, I think those two principles that you've touched on a lot—that hope is a person, mm -hmm. that hope isn't to be found in ourselves or in the people around us or in our circumstances—hope is a person. And that person is the only thing that heals us, mm -hmm. you know, and that healing yeah. doesn't mean that it's gone. It doesn't mean that you don't ever think about your son and your daughter and your husband and no. feel like mm -hmm. the inside of you is shattered. Mm -hmm. But it's also, I'm sure, being able to remember the good times. And see right. what God has done and the healing that he has done and the, the story that he's always constantly creating and cultivating. And that's, I feel like I, I feel like I'm going to get off of this interview and just have to sit in that for a while because that sentence was so <laughs> profound. Healing isn't the absence of pain. And like you said, we're, like I said, we're all healing and we're all fielding some form of pain mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's incredible i would um, like to amend one thing that people always say too yeah. they they always say that god will never give you more than you can handle 
And I just want to make one small amendment. God will never give you more than he can handle. Mm-hmm. Because all of life is more than I can handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that that like going back to the beginning of our conversation, that's something that people throw out. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when you experience something really difficult, God's not going to, you're so strong. God's never going to give you anything more, more than you can handle. And the fact that he gave you this means he thinks you can handle it. It's like, no, he just knows he can. Yes. He knows he yeah. can. Yeah. And, and it, it certainly wasn't a, a, what would you call it? It, it wasn't a reward for being strong. No. <laughs> I mean, if you think that whole process through, that's what, that's what you're yeah. trying to say, and that's not truth. And that's not what anybody means when they say it. Just no. think it all the way through. Oh, cause... I have been there. So, and I've talked pretty, I've talked pretty openly on the show with like past guests that my uh, now almost five year old, when she was one, um, almost died. She was in like respiratory failure, and she was intubated and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was so hard, and it was so traumatic, and she was in, you know, the pediatric ICU for a week and all of this kind of stuff they thought she was going to have brain damage and and it was traumatic and I can I do remember someone saying the God will never give you more than you can handle I can I can remember being in the hospital room and hearing that and and having the wherewithal to filter it through I know what they mean Mm -hmm. but unintentionally so I ended up you know obviously like having to go to a lot of therapy to like undo a lot of like fear that I was just always you know she was like Mm -hmm. a glass child after that and um I one of the things that I had to undo in therapy was that little thought God won't give me more than I can handle well he gave me this so he thinks I'm really strong so what else is he gonna give me what else is coming and I felt like I was always on edge and always walking on eggshells because like I was like, okay, God, I'm strong. What's coming? Instead mm-hmm. of, like you're saying, flipping that on its head and knowing he walked me through that. He's who made me strong and made it, you know, mm-hmm. a- made us able to walk through that. But it's interesting how those just this little, boop, like little comment turned into yep. just like a spider web of fear. Mm-hmm. That being strong meant God was just going to, like, pound me in the face for the next, like, 30 years, you know? Yep, because doesn't Satan love to mm-hmm. take truth and, and twist it enough mm-hmm. that we use it against ourselves or he uses it against us? And, yeah, that's his favorite thing to do. It is. Well, and that's—I love that you brought that up because we—I personally am in the process right now of— learning to give the enemy like the credit deserved right Mm -hmm. so growing up in the church you hear a lot of like the enemy the enemy the enemy satan evil and then coming into my own relationship with god i felt like it was a cop-out i felt like Mm -hmm. people were using satan as a cop-out like no you just are struggling with a sin pattern Satan didn't yep. make you do that, right? Yes. And like you, it's this pendulum, and then you swing back to the middle where you go. Yeah, some people walk in a flesh pattern. Some people choose sin, but also like Satan is a son of a you know what, and he's got oh. power here on earth, and he wants to take every single good thing that God has given me, 
and twist it and distract me and you know render me ineffective and mm-hmm. that is just as true in tragedy it's just as true in trauma yeah that he like he wants nothing more than to keep you in a deep dark corner believing that god did this to you and that he isn't good anymore mm-hmm. and if we don't talk about it, then how do we break out of that? How, if we don't talk right. about, like, no, these are the lies. These are the lies that walking through trauma that yep. Satan's going to try to tell you. And one of them is that like, God's not good. Absolutely. Yes. That he let, you know, he, yep. he made this happen to you, you know? Yep. Oh, yep. So interesting. God is good. And there is life after this one. And he really does care. And all of those things. The fact that he, you know, we're just the glass jar, but he's the diamonds and he places himself within us. And, you know, you can say our only job is to keep the jar clean, but he even does that because it's only by his grace and his son's death that we are washed clean. Mm -hmm. So he does the whole thing. Yeah. Amen. We just let him. Absolutely. Well, this was a incredible conversation. We're going to close it out with our rapid fire. We talked before the show. You are not uh, an Enneagram nerd like I am, so we're going to skip that. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll circle back. Um, but what is something that can always pull you out of a funk? Normally, being by myself for a little while will help. And although this is not very lighthearted, in the, in the same manner that we were just talking about, when I get truly in a funk where I feel just dead, the best thing I can do is cry. Because mm-hmm. it's usually because I have pushed away that grief for too long mm-hmm. and I need to let it catch up with me and mourn a little while. Mm-hmm. And then I'll, and then my emotions all come back and my mm-hmm. heart starts working again. And Absolutely. But, but, I, um, I'm kind of that way. Every time I cry, I'm like, oh, I needed that. Okay. Like, feel <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> what is the last thing you watched on TV? Oh, let's see. I was out at my best friend's house and we watched a Turner classic movies, <gasps> um, old time murder mystery thing. I don't Ooh, remember. What was it? But... Oh, no. So my family, are, we're all like, TCM, Black and Whites, they're the best. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Well, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time and, I mean, just being incredible and brave and a a beacon of hope for people who are walking through, I mean, difficult doesn't even feel like the right word, but impossible times. I'm so thankful for you and for your story. Thank you, Blake, for what you're doing, giving opportunity to people to hear other stories that, I mean, I would never, I'd never be able to talk to except for the ministry that you're doing. And so I'm grateful. If people want to find me, they can find me at laurajones.org. And you have to know to spell my name, L-O-R-A. L-O-R-A, yes. (laughs) And they can find me and I'd love to hear their story and interact with them. And can they find your book there as well? You can find links to my book, but okay. you can buy it at any online bookstore and hopefully also ask for it at any local bookstore Yes, and they can get it for you. And we will link to your website and your show description on people's 
uh, podcast platform. Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.